Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 41, which is brought to you by Hover. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vatici. How are you, Federico? Happy holidays. Thank you, Ryan. Hello. Hi. How are you? Doing all right. Doing good. Yeah, it's it's a weird holiday season. It's a weird end of the year, but I know many of us are pretty happy to put this year behind us, and we'll see what 2021 brings. It's a, it's a strange and different time, right? There's a, fortunately, I think there's a bit of hope on the horizon with these vaccines and, you know, it's, there, there's something to be hopeful and optimistic about, I guess, um, which, is, which is good. Uh, I wish we, you know, it kind of feels surreal to go back just to a few months ago when all of this seemed so distant. And now it's, it's happening. We're, you know, vaccinations have started in the UK, I've started in the US. We're going to start them in Italy within a week, I think. And uh, so this, uh, it's nice to have like an, an, something like an end goal now within our grasp. Um, so it, it, it makes things a little bit easier, I think. But still, it's going to be different, you know, um, getting together with the family. We cannot have those usual gatherings with like 10, 15 people that we usually do. And especially in Italy, you know, there's, the idea of, of family and extended family. Um, my, my girlfriend, Sylvia, for example, growing up, she used to have like, she has plenty of cousins and, and you know, uncles. And they used to do like these this dinners and, and lunches for Christmas with like 20 uh, people. And they cannot do that this time around, right? It's, it's not allowed, but it's also not safe. It's not the time to do those things. But Hopefully, this will be, you know, a 2020 thing, and by this time next year, we'll be back to normal, hopefully. And we're starting to see that hope now, which is, um, it makes me feel better. I, I really started feeling a bit down again on this whole thing these past few weeks, just, you know, seeing those numbers go up and, you know, seeing people being careless. But now I'm feeling much better um, with the numbers in Italy going down and and I know that of that that of course it's not the same everywhere. I know that that is still very much a problem in the US, in other countries, in the UK. But I do believe that there's hope coming. Uh, we just got to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, I feel like this time of year, you know, I I love Christmas, I love the holiday season, and so I always enjoy December a lot, but then knowing that January is around the corner and winter and all the cold for several months it's not my favorite time of year as it is. Um, and now it's like, okay, we, like, you just got to get through this winter. And then hopefully in the spring, there will be you know more vaccines. There will be warmer weather. Hopefully, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of hope. But it's like we've got these first you know few months of 2021 that may be, may be challenging. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, who knows what the new year will hold. And uh, we don't know, but we are going to try talking about it anyways. And uh, last episode, we kind of talked about the state of the iPad today uh, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Before we start that new year, where does the iPad stand with its hardware, with its software? Um, and now we kind of want to be a little more forward looking. And so uh, today for our final episode of Adapt, we want to look to the future. We want to see... Uh, first of all, I think in the more near term, what changes do we think 2021 might bring? Uh, what what will the iPad look like a year from now? Um, but then also after that, looking further out into the future, what what is the life of this device look like? You know, five, ten years from now, um, what you know, what changes will there be? Um, what you know what will the the growth of the the Mac and the iPad together look like? Because it seemed like for a while the Mac was kind of languishing. Some it was you know wasn't getting as much development attention, and now with all the changes this year, that seems to be different. And so, what are these two devices going to look like? How are they going to complement each other, benefit each other? There's there's lots to talk about, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the future. It's not so much you know, speculating about exactly what we think will happen, um, maybe some of that, but uh, I think especially in the latter part of the episode, just talking bigger picture, you know, what, what is the iPad, what, what does it mean to be a tablet in mm. 2020, 2021 and beyond? Because this 
device category was really defined by the iPad when the iPad launched, and it has been defined by the iPad ever since then. But the iPad itself has changed so much over the last, you know, ten years. And so, yeah, what what is a what is a tablet? And I think there's a lot of fun things that we can talk about here. So uh, maybe we should just get started. Uh, 2021. Um, mm. I know there have been a number of rumors. There's supply chain leaks and rumors around some things that may be coming. Something that we've talked about a little in the past is um, a mini LED display technology being applied to the iPads. Specifically, the rumors seem to say for the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, at least initially, which makes sense that, you know, the the high end iPad would get the new technology first. That's usually kind of how Apple does things. And then maybe later in the year or in years to come, it'll trickle down to the other devices. But um, Federico, just starting there, because that's something that we have heard a lot is, oh, yes, there is a new iPad Pro 12.9 coming, got mini LED. Um, what, like, what do you expect mini LED will do for iPad display technology? And then since at least everything that I've seen, and maybe you've seen some other reports, everything that I've seen says that this is the case for a new 12.9-inch iPad Pro, does that mean that there's not an 11-inch iPad Pro coming? What do you, what do you think? Uh, it, w- it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it would be a surprise. We talked about this before, how the... I struggle to make the case, no pun intended, for uh, an 11-inch iPad Pro, especially now that we have the iPad Air. Um, we, when we did the episode about the iPad Air, we noted how despite missing a few things, missing a few technologies compared to the, to the iPad Pro, such as lighter, for example, such as more RAM and more storage options. By and large, though, the, the iPad Air was the better choice uh, as, a, as, a, as an 11-inch tablet for most people, for most consumers. And I don't think it would be totally surprising to see Apple say, well, we have this great option with the 11-inch uh, uh, iPad Air, with the 10.9-inch iPad Air, which is basically an 11-inch iPad Pro. It's basically the same device. And instead, we're going to focus on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro only, and perhaps, and we can talk about that later, an even bigger iPad Pro model. So I don't think it would be shocking to see uh, the 11-inch iPad Pro be discontinued as a, as a line. And Apple focused their energies on the on the iPad Air and the iPad Pro with the bigger model of the Pro. And Mini LED, um, I think it's interesting in the context of, first of all, photography. I think one of the great advantages of the iPad as a device, as a you know, as a, as a form factor, is this idea of a beautiful display that you can hold in your hands. And we've seen, especially in the past couple of years, I would say, between the Apple Pencil. And apps like um, Pixelmator Photo, apps like Lightroom, apps like Photoshop coming to iPad, Apple is making even more of a case for the iPad Pro as, a, as an ideal machine for professional photographers who want to have a powerful and beautiful uh, editing you know, um, setup on the go. A portable computer that has, to an extent, an even even greater performance than a than a MacBook. Not not an M1 MacBook, obviously, but that's a that's a new thing. But of all other MacBook models, and uh, so I think Mini LED for that kind of scenario would be incredible. Better color reproduction, better colors, more vivid and bi- vibrant colors. That would be amazing. As well as for video, right? Um, you you know watching content on a on a on the OLED screen of an iPhone. Uh, is obviously, you know, I prefer the colors that I see on that screen compared to the colors that I see on the iPad Pro. And it's not like on the iPad Pro, I look at the display and I'm like, oh my God, these colors suck. No, it's not like that. But still, when I look at the phone and you see those more, you know, the, the colors are more vibrant or more detailed or more true to life. And I can imagine having that kind of effect on a 12.9 inch display that you can hold in front of your eyes. That, that has to be a very nice, <laughs> very nice thing to have. And um, just generally speaking, I think it makes for it makes for a better display. Whether you're watching video or editing photos and video or reading a book, right? You can imagine reading a book in the dark and having a true black background. 
if you want to have a, like a like a black background and white text, that has to be very nice. And uh, so I think many mini LED is the kind of a kind of technology um, that I see some parallels in how on the iPhone, for example, I really want to have promotion. And on the iPad, I really want to have OLED or mini LED. And there's like these two features that one is missing from the other. And I really hope that in 2021, we see some kind of consistency there with promotion coming to the iPhone and a new display technology coming to the iPad Pro. I think those are some really great use cases that are, you know, Apple could really sell those things. I mean, certainly the uh, the fact that the iPad can be used for for photo editing and even viewing photos. It's just it's just a great device to kind of pass around and and have people swipe through your photos. Um, I hadn't thought about how that would impact watching videos on the iPad. I, I tend to think of the iPad Pro not as much as a video device. That I you know I think of like the base model iPad more as a video device. But I guess the thing is the the iPad Pro, especially with the larger display. Like it can really do it all, and it can do it all well. Uh, and I think about the fact that you know the iPad um, with video content that, depending on what video content it is, um, it supports spatial audio with the AirPods Pro and the AirPods Max. Which I've heard a lot of people uh, these last couple of weeks is you know they're trying out the AirPods Max, saying, "Oh wow, like having having spatial audio is so amazing. I can't believe that it's not on the Apple TV yet." Um, and so the iPad is kind of the biggest screen where you can get that feature, but it, you know, adding in an even better display technology would make the iPad Pro, you know, great mm. for both the video itself and the audio. If you're using, you know, AirPods Pro or AirPods Max, and you get the spatial audio effect, like there's just a lot that the iPad could do um, to to really be the best device for lots of different things. I mean, you mentioned reading books as well, like. I love reading books on my phone because of the OLED display, because I get the true black background. Like, it's just, it's so nice looking to me. Like, I almost always read books with the black background enabled. And uh, yeah, an iPad Pro that does that would be really great. Um, Do you think that, you know, when we think about uh, other iPads that are potentially coming, do you think that a modernized iPad mini is coming in 2021? I, I know you hope that it is. I certainly yeah. hope that it is. Um, what do you think and what would that device be? Would it just be a pretty simple like, yeah, it looks like the more modern iPads. It has the smaller bezels. Uh, maybe it has Touch ID rather than Face ID to keep mm-hmm. costs low. Um, uh, do you expect that that device is coming this next year? Yeah, I think it's coming in 2021. I think it's happening. Um, we didn't see any iPad mini updates in 2020. I think it's happening, and I think we should expect, essentially, a smaller version of the iPad Air. So um, no mini LED, no fancy new display technology, no Face ID, um, but all the other things from the iPad Air, so the liquid retina display, the thinner bezels, uh, touch ID in a button, um, uh, and obviously, you know, uh, using that industrial design of the iPad Pro line in a much, much smaller uh, device. And I think it's happening next year. Sure, I hope it's happening, but I also think it will because it, it feels about time. And and we we heard rumors, you know, these past few months that Apple was also preparing that kind of device for next year. And I think Apple will sell it as the most portable iPad in an all new design. And so you can imagine the use cases for that device as being fantastic for not taking on the go. So you're going to be able to use the the second generation Apple Pencil with it. And it's going to be even more even more convenient to use with that kind of iPad because the second generation Pencil will snap to the side of the iPad mini. So Apple could say if you're the kind of person who, you know, for your job you need to walk around, you need to I'm thinking, for example, of, of folks who work on uh, in construction sites, for example. They use an iPad mini to take, you know, notes on blueprints and, and architectural plans, you know, all those kinds of things. Having that, that's, that really small device that supports an Apple Pencil could be an amazing enhancement for their work routine. Uh, but also, artists, right? You're going to be able to draw and to sketch on a super portable 
seven inch, maybe seven point. Uh, I believe the rumors were saying almost eight inches. If Apple is is making the the bezels uh, thinner, so almost eight inches, uh, super portable device that, however, has a modern display and supports the second generation pencil. That has to be incredible for gaming, for reading books. Um, you can imagine that kind of iPad. You hold it in landscape, still portable, comfortable to use, and you can play anything from Apple Arcade. So I think there's plenty of use. I mean, I do have an iPad mini myself. I bought an iPad mini even with the old design because I loved the idea of a super portable iPad for all those things, from uh, taking notes on the go to reading books and playing games and watching video. So I think there's still, um, there's still room for the most portable iPad ever. And if you start from that assumption, I think it only makes sense to give it the latest and greatest design. I think this is going to be a very, very appealing product for a lot of people who may be slightly turned off by the iPad mini right now because it has that old design with the squared off <laughs> edges of the screen and the home button. But as soon as Apple modernizes it, and this, uh, as soon as you see an iPad Pro-like design, in a smaller, much, much, much smaller tablet, I think that that's going to be a very, very intriguing product. Yeah, I definitely would want one. It <laughs> uh, would be so great. I, I love, I, I mean, I, I used to have an iPad mini before I moved to the iPad Pro. I had the first iPad mini, I had the iPad mini 2. It's just such a great device. I mean, one-handed use is perfect. You know, two-handed thumb typing is great. Like it's just so light and easy to carry around. Uh, I really hope that they that they modernize the iPad Mini. That would be wonderful. Um, anything else in terms of hardware that you're looking to see in 2021, or do you want to just move into talking about software? Um, I'm curious to see if Apple iterates on the Magic Keyboard in 2021. I wonder, first of all, if they do an iPad mini, I wonder if that iPad mini will support a new version of the Magic Keyboard uh, for the new design. I wonder if we're going to see iteration from Apple in terms of new materials, new color options maybe, maybe an even larger trackpad. I don't know if this is the kind of accessory that Apple wants to refresh on, a, on an annual basis or if they are content in, in, uh, in letting it you know, stay on, on the Apple Store as it is for a couple of years. Um, and in terms of hardware, um, well, I guess I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of a of a serious refresh of the iPad Pro, um, not like the 2020 refresh, but as an actual um, update. That is not a redesign. I don't think we're gonna get a redesign of the iPad Pro, but I wonder can they make it thinner? Can they make it lighter? If they switch to to Mini LED, are they going to you know make it? thinner than the current model? Are they going to keep it the same, but give it a bigger battery, for example? So I wonder what they're going to do in terms of like the physical device itself. Um, I don't think they're going to change the materials. I don't think they're going to move away from the aluminum edges and, and back. I don't think we're ever going to see a, a stainless steel <laughs> iPad Pro. I don't think it's that kind of device. I could be wrong, though. I, actually, it could be nice to have a stainless steel, you know... Um, iPad mini. But no, I think they're going to stick with aluminum. It's lighter. It's a lighter material. It makes more sense for a tablet that you're going to hold in your hands. So yeah, uh, I, I think I would be on the lookout for what does it mean if the iPad Pro is getting a new display technology? What does it mean for the rest of the unit? Is it also going to get thinner or it's going to stay the same and Apple is going to improve battery life with it? And what happens to accessories? And specifically, I think I don't think Apple is at this point they're ever going to make like physical stands or separate trackpads for the iPad because they already have the Magic trackpad that you can use with a Mac and with an iPad. But I wonder if the Magic Keyboard could use an update. Uh, there were some complaints last year about you know the Magic Keyboard missing, for example, the extra row of function keys that you can find on third-party Bluetooth keyboards. So will Apple iterate on that? And... Uh, Will they perhaps make a new version of the Magic Keyboard that has a bigger trackpad? And if they do, how will people who spent how expensive it is again? Two hundred and something dollars. Three hundred and fifty. Three hundred. The bigger oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot. So, how do people feel about that potential, you know, refresh? Um, so, I don't know. I'm skeptical. 
that the Magic Keyboard is going to get an update. I think it's going to stay this way for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, Apple has had the chance with previous iPad keyboards to add a function row, and they've just never done it. Yeah. And I feel like it would be easier on like the Smart Keyboard Folio than it is with the Magic Keyboard, because with the Magic Keyboard, you've got this the floating design, and there's really not, at least currently, there's not really room to add that row and still be able to reach it without kind of touching the bottom of you know the ipad's display or the you know the the body of the device and they can't really make the trackpad any smaller at least i wouldn't want them to i feel like it's about as small as it should be right now so they could shrink the keys maybe but uh yeah I'm, i'm expecting we'll see you know mostly the same magic keyboard sticking around for a little while maybe in a couple of years they'll they'll update it but um okay so how about software then ipad os 15 uh it's kind of tricky like thinking about what that software update is going to be because apple really isn't following the the pattern that they were following in the past where every two years is an a big ipad update mm-hmm. i i would say that this past year with ipad os 14 was a pretty big update i mean there's there's a lot of things that are you know, going to impact the app ecosystem, you know, for the for the positive. So different changes with sidebars and multi-column and all that, which you could argue is not a huge software change, but I think it kind of is. And then uh, all the pencil-related things, um, Scribble, like you and I are not people that use the pencil a whole ton. And so those may not seem like huge updates to us, but for lots of people, they are. And so it's not like we can say, oh, well, iPadOS 14 was a small update, so we know that 15 is going to be a big one, you know, because in the past it's like 9 was, iOS 9 was a big iPad update, 10 wasn't, 11 was, 12 wasn't, 13 was, but 14 kind of was as well. So what does that mean for 15? I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly obviously like to see a big update. Mm. I'd, I'd like to see multitasking changes is, is probably the top of my wish list. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. What What do you think? Is it going to be a big year for iPad software? I think so. And I think you're you're missing the obvious feature that we're going to get next year. I would be shocked if it's not happening in iPadOS 15, a new home screen based on what Apple did with the iPhone in iOS 14. I think um, widgets on the iPad home screen are going to happen next year. I think it would be a terrible mistake not to do that in 2021. Um, so even more, like I, I, I would feel more optimistic about an, a modernized, an actually modernized iPad home screen next year than say multitasking. Uh, at this point, given especially given the success of widgets and and customization that Apple saw in iOS 14, I would be extremely surprised if whatever internal process uh, managers at Apple have to prioritize uh, features for the following year. I would be shocked if they didn't have that kind of conversation saying, look, the priority is now getting widgets to work on iPad, then we can do multitasking. Um, so I think, we're, I, I think if all the, you know, if everything lines up correctly uh, and the rumors are suggesting that Apple is preparing multiple iPad models for 2021, including the big update to the iPad Pro, and considering how in the first half of 2020, it was a pretty big year for iPad with the pointer and the magic keyboard. And then in iPadOS 14, we got multi-column um, and the sidebars. I think Apple has more coming. And I think the home screen is, is a great starting place for that. So um, a modernized iPad home screen in 2021, what does it mean for widgets? I think we shouldn't expect to, to because Apple doesn't do that really, we shouldn't just expect Apple to say, um, here, here you go. Here's the uh, three different widget sizes that you can use on the iPhone. Now you can put them on the iPad. I think if they're going to do that, there's going to be widget kit 2.0 for sure, right? So the second revision to the widget framework that we got in iOS 14. And in I, I can imagine how in, I, in iOS 15 and iPadOS 15, we're going to get widget kit 2.0. And widget kit 2 will bring support for iPad and new widget sizes. I think we should expect to see vertical layouts for widgets. I think on iPad, we should expect even bigger widgets that go beyond the large 
version that we have on the iPhone. I think Apple is going to give developers more, more flexibility in terms of the different shapes and layouts that widgets can have. And I think on iPad, it's especially interesting because the, I wonder if Apple is going to treat the iPad home screen differently from the iPhone. On the iPhone, the message in iOS 14 was very much the idea of the home screen is where you can now launch things or when you, where you can glance at things. So glanceability was one of the big selling points of WidgetKit. Not the idea of interacting with widgets, but the idea of widgets showing you stuff on the home screen, which then you can tap to launch other stuff. That's the idea. But I wonder, is glanceability a, a, something that Apple wants to achieve on the iPad home screen? Because to me, the home screen on iPad, it feels more like a, like a place where you want to sort of like live, right? Where you want to actually spend time doing things because it's a bigger display you can fit more icons and now you have the pointer so i do wonder if i mean they could take the simple route and just say look you can now put widgets on the home screen mix and match icons and widgets and that's it but that feels kind of lazy right um and, and i wonder if maybe they could do a little more maybe support some basic interactions on the home screen maybe allow you to fully customize the layout so get rid of the uh, widget column on the left let users place icons and widgets anywhere come up with this completely custom if you will like dashboard layouts where you have multiple widgets on the same page going on imagine like having multiple large widgets on an ipad pro in landscape there's complexity involved of course because the ipad home screen you can rotate in either portrait and landscape so what happens when you come up with this widget layout in one orientation and then you rotate your device. I don't know. I'm not an engineer at Apple. I'm not a product manager. Uh, but I still wonder, they could go the simple way and just say, take those widgets, place them in between icons, same sizes as last year, and that's it. Or they could do a little more. And, uh, and, um, and I think they will. Because I would be surprised if we're waiting an entire year and all we get is basically the same version of the iPhone in 2020. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So are you picturing kind of like a, a dashboard that's really interactive where you can do a lot of maybe your work? Maybe not really. Maybe okay. not really. Like I wouldn't expect like keyboard input, for example. Okay. But some basic inline interactions where you don't have to, like every single time you tap something, it launches the app. Like imagine something like the Soar widgets uh, with the now playing controls. And that is obviously like a hack that the Soar developer was able to come up with. It was like a workaround. But imagine something along those lines where some basic interactions can stay inside the widget. You don't have to open. Like right now, WidgetKit is very much based on the assumption that any uh, click or tap equals launching a URL inside of the app. That's basically how it works. Any tap launches something. And I wonder, like, you don't have to have, like, scroll bars. You don't have to support keyboard input or pencil input. But maybe just tapping buttons can, you know, things can happen without launching the app. That's, yeah, I'm imagining something like what Soar is doing, but native. Yeah, that makes sense. And, I mean, a lot of that is really getting back the functionality that we had with previous widgets, but combining it with all the, the visual and the kind of dynamic you know, aspects of the new widgets that Apple introduced this year. Like older widgets, you could do a lot of things with them, like a, a task manager widget, you could check off the tasks on your list right when the widget without launching the app. So something like that, combining the additional functionality with the, the new look and feel mm. and kind of you know, versatility of being various sizes is, is more what you're talking about. Okay, so if, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense given the popularity of widgets this year for Apple to continue, you know, going down that path and, and enabling more customization on the home screen. Uh, it makes sense. I, I think I personally, I mean, depending on what they build, maybe it'd be really, really neat and I'd be like, okay, I'm fine with them prioritizing this. Mm -hmm. um, I do wish that there are some other things that that maybe they could 
prioritize. I mean, multitasking is one thing. Um, another thing is kind of the, and I've talked about this several times before, so I won't go in depth, but just the fact that the the keyboard row at the bottom of the screen still covers up content regularly. Mm. Um, there's there's got to be a fix for that, I would think. And so it's just some of you know some of the quality of life things would be nice. Um, but I, I do think you're right that Apple seeing the response. Um, and again, I know lots of things that that the company works on uh, take years to build. And so right. to some degree, it's like if they were already close to you know having a new multitasking system built, then maybe they would just go ahead and finish it rather than, you know, drop it to work on widgets on iPad. Um, but who knows, right? If, you know, after the launch of iOS 14 and and how home screen customization went crazy, like maybe they said, oh, this has to be top priority. It doesn't matter what else, you know, that that slows development of. We're, we're going to prioritize making this great on the iPad. And um, I don't know that there'd be many people that complain about that because what's there now Mm -hmm. is okay, but it's not great. I'd like to see something different. So um, we should probably move into talking about longer term things for the iPad, uh, both hardware, software, and all that. Um, 2021, you know, we'll we'll see what it brings us. Hopefully lots of the things that we talked about, but, uh, but the year's almost here. It won't be too long before we find out. Um, but let's talk bigger picture. Uh, before we do that, I want to thank our sponsor. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it and they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. .inc is a new premium domain extension for businesses that want to be taken seriously. Have you checked if your brand name is currently available? You don't let someone else beat you to your brand's .inc domain. From small startups to large enterprises, brands are taking notice of the credibility of a .inc domain In fact, over 56% of Forbes' most valuable brands are registered with their brand names, including PayPal, Facebook, Fox, Amazon, and Walmart. Hover has free Whois privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean UX and UI, monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. Millions of company names end with Inc., and now your domain name can too. Upgrade your domain to the perfect match. Join over 56% of Forbes' most valuable brands and register your .inc domain today. Now, personally, I don't think domain management should be something that you ever need to think about. Like you register your domain and you forget about it, and Hover lets you do that. You don't have to tinker with things. There's not a bunch of extra work for you to do. It's simple, smooth, and easy. And as a result, I've used Hover for years, and it remains my go-to place for domains. So go to hover.com adapt today, and you will get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time, hover.com adapt. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's look further into the future. Mm. Mm. The iPad, I, you know, I, I, I have one big question that I kind of want to start okay. with. Because, okay. as I said earlier, what it means to be a tablet seems to have changed a lot over the last 10 years or so. And the iPad is way more capable than it used to be. It, it can be really what you want it to be, not just from a software standpoint. I think that's kind of where the the idea behind the device started is that you just got this sheet of glass that can change into any thing that you want it to be based on the app that you launch. Um, But today, it's actually more that not only can it be whatever you want it to be software-wise, but the hardware itself can change as well. And you've got all these different accessories that that complement the iPad, that turn it into something new and different. You've got a Magic Keyboard, which has a trackpad. You've got 
um, a an Apple Pencil. You've got, you know, now there's pointer input because of the trackpad. Like there's there's all these different ways you can modify the iPad. And as I think about it, you know, is there another kind of big fundamental change to the iPad that's still to come? That's that's kind of one question that I have thinking about the future of the iPad. Um, we just got pointer support last year, and that was a really big deal. But is there another thing coming? And for me, I kind of think maybe that thing is really great external display support. Um, mm-hmm. Because right now, there is external display support, but it's not really great. I don't think anyone would call it really great. Um, but that's something that could further extend the the versatility of the iPad and and make it this device that can be used in a variety of contexts, however you want it to be. Like right now, certainly you can use it at a desk, but you it's just not a great experience connecting it to an external monitor. Um, Apple could change that. They could really make it this device that you carry around and use in a variety of contexts, um, even more so than you can now. And I think that that makes a lot of sense for them to do that. Um, so, I mean, do you do you see Apple really extending and improving the current external display support to be like a, a first class feature in the future so that, you know, a, a hallmark of the iPad is that it can be this, you know, more versatile, more modular device in the future? Yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely one of the one of the more important uh, long-term features for the iPad. I think these and, and bigger iPad uh, models. Um, but with external display support, um, I would be, once again, I would be very surprised if this is not something that is happening within the next five years, right? Um, just because there's so much potential in the idea of the iPad, and especially the iPad Pro, being the kind of device that you can use in the three main contexts, if you will, that people use computers, which is at a desk, as a laptop, in your hands, as a tablet, and once again, at a desk with a monitor and a keyboard. And I think the idea of having an iPad that you can just, if you will, dock at your desk, and it, and it, and it, you can start working with this iPad OS UI projected on an external monitor and manage multiple windows, right? Which is an ex- it already exists. And you can control everything with a pointer. So you're not limited anymore to touch interactions, which used to be one of the main um, criticisms for this idea years ago. Like, how would you support uh, external displays on iPad if you don't have a cursor, if you don't have a pointer? But now we do have that. And so I really feel like the idea of not just mirroring, because people are going to reply and say, but you can already mirror the the iPad's display to an external monitor. And we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about what macOS does as well, but rethought for the iPad and iPadOS. And that involves, however, other things to be in place before it can be done. I don't think the current multitasking UI on iPad can support that kind of versatility of having, you know, on Mac on macOS we will call it multiple desktops, right? The idea of having these separate spaces where you can, you know, you can have one on your computer, you can have another one on the external display, and then you can cycle through them and you can move windows between them. I don't think the current UI for uh, for iPads can sustain that kind of complexity. So that has to be like if you if you think of these features as you know um, um, as like building something from from the ground up. I think you need to start at the very foundation, and you need to start with rethinking multitasking and the UI for multitasking on iPad. Uh, not just the app switcher, but the whole thing: how you manage open apps, how you manage open windows. Right now, everything is kind of clunky. Uh, the app switcher and expose are totally separate from each other. Basically, um, there's no way to to create combinations of apps, save them as favorites, 
There's no way to say, there's no way to automate Windows either. There's no integration between shortcuts and multi-window. Um, so Apple needs to have a more robust system for managing Windows and managing open apps in place before they take this to the next level and they say, okay, now in addition to managing your apps in your Windows and iPad, you can also bring them on an external display and you can control everything from your iPad. You can use the pointer. You can move the pointer to the external display, right? So uh, once, this, once this is in place, so let's imagine within a couple of years, within three years, Apple is in a position to say, we can now do that. And maybe, you know, in 2024 or something, Apple will have, once again, consumer displays that are not the Pro Display XDR. So in theory, let's assume that you will be able to buy a 500 or, you know, even a $1,000 display made by Apple that doesn't cost $5,000 and more. Uh, you can imagine that kind of scenario where you can buy that display, you can buy a Mac Mini, an M1 Mac Mini, or you can buy that display in an iPad Pro and you can have a desktop workstation, right? When you're, when you're at your desk, you can use the iPad and then when you're done or when you want to switch modes, you just pick up the iPad and it's, it's the same computer, it's the same experience that follows you around. But that also means that within the next five years, the iPadOS UI must support the idea of scaling from a, a small device, such as the iPad mini, right? Or an 11-inch iPad Pro to potentially, you know, 25, 30-inch displays. What does it mean for things like multi-column? What does it mean for things like split view? At what point do you reach macOS territory in which it's kind of ridiculous to just have one window on screen at the same time. Perhaps you want to have four. But does it mean that split view is going to grow to accommodate not just two, not just three, but maybe even four apps on screen at the same time? How, I guess, we think of modularity uh, in, the, in the iPad world more in the context of the modularity of the physical device and all the, accessory, all, all the accessories, all the different modes that you can use an iPad uh, with. But I think we should start thinking of modularity in the context of software as well. How modular can the iPadOS software be so that you can have all these different pieces that you can combine in split view, in multi-window, and how it can scale when you're on your tablet and when you're using it on an external display. Um, what does it mean when you're, when like... Is, is the Magic Keyboard the only accessory that Apple is going to make that supports the pointer? Are they going to make a new Magic Trackpad for all of this? Um, and obviously, what does it mean for gaming, right? Imagine having this, this powerful device that allows you to play a video game from Apple Arcade or from the App Store in your hands, but also to you know, transfer it, to, to, to see it live uh, on, a, on, a, on an external display. And so there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential here, but I do believe that before we get to that, we need to have a, a better foundation in place for managing multitasking on iPad. I would, I would say that we, can, we should be able to start seeing some multitasking changes 2021, perhaps 2022. If Apple focuses on the home screen next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see multitasking changes get pushed back to 2022 once again. But once that is in place, so let's assume that in 2022, iPadOS 16 is at a point where it makes sense to go, you know, multitasking is now mature and robust and easier to discover for novice users and more flexible for, for power users. At that point, Apple could say, well, now that this is, this is a much more powerful multitasking environment, now maybe we can support even bigger iPads and we can support external displays. I just absolutely love the vision for the future of the iPad that you just laid out. <laughs> I, I mean, it, and it makes so much sense too, right? It just laying laying the foundation for some of the changes that need to happen in order to make the iPad even more virtual, even more modular, um, and and make it a really great kind of workstation type device where you can you know, dock it, as you said, and, and have it connect to a monitor and, and even the different, like thinking about other hardware accessories that would interact with that, um, thinking mm -hmm. about maybe what a new trackpad would look like, a standalone trackpad, uh, what a, an Apple game controller perhaps would look like, um, 
some of the and the reason I say like an Apple made game controller or like a new Apple trackpad is because Apple could really take some of the technology it's it's built for AirPods and kind of the connectivity that really builds on the Bluetooth experience and makes it so much nicer than standard Bluetooth. They could they could build that in and make everything easily connect and disconnect and and then the the software, yeah, that's thinking about what what would a modular software system look like? I mean, ah, that I just I want you to be in charge of all this stuff and <laughs> uh, build it all out for Apple and and give them the vision. It sounds so mm. great. Um, I so all that said, I, I have a question that you know maybe maybe you kind of disagree with the premise of, but we'll see. Okay. Um, if if Apple does move this direction and if they really do build a a fantastic desktop experience for the iPad then is there still a need for larger iPad sizes than the current, you know, th- 13 inch? Mm-hmm. Like is is there a need for a 15 16 inch iPad when you're going to have this great desktop experience where you can connect your iPad to a monitor and, you know, benefit from something that's 20, 25, 27 inch, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Like does does that does that mitigate the need for a larger iPad or do would we still need larger iPads in that scenario? Mm-hmm. I think it does somewhat, but there's still the, the problem of you got to buy two separate devices. And that's one of them. Uh, you got to buy the iPad and you got to buy the monitor. Uh, but the second one, the more important reason why I think it makes sense to still do bigger iPads is there's still going to be a lot of different and important reasons to have a bigger iPad where you can have touch input on a bigger surface. Because if you just say, well, I'm going to buy a small iPad and I'm going to connect it to a much bigger external display, problem solved, right? I'm a writer. I'm a, you know, I deal with spreadsheets all day. I just want to have a bigger display in front of me. I'm just going to get a small iPad and I'm going to hook it up to an external display and I'm done. The problem is, there's different kinds of people who want to have a bigger iPad and t- touch input at the same time, right? Uh, artists, obviously, like that's the, the by far the, the more important uh, category, I think. Imagine having this huge 30-inch, 35-inch canvas. Imagine something like the, what's it called? The Surface Studio. I think that's such a beautiful product and such a beautiful idea. This display that you can just move down and you have this like drafting drafting table sort of experience uh, and, and you can manage everything sort of minority report style with Windows and of course you're going to have pencil support and at that point if you have that kind of device you can imagine other accessories such as, and this is just an idea, the dial that Microsoft makes for the Surface Studio where you can have this thing, this little puck that you put on the display and you, and you twist it and you touch it and you see this interface pop up next to the dial. So things like that I think it's important to keep in mind that yes, there's users who want to have a um, want to have a, 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 a bigger display in front of them, but there's also users who want to have a bigger display right at their fingertips. And you're not going to fix that if you just support external displays. The only way to to answer that need is to have a bigger iPad. Um, personally speaking, I wouldn't need like. I'm not saying that within two years, within three years, we're going to see Apple's response to the Surface Studio. I don't think we're going to get that kind of device within, even within the next five years. I think Apple will start, if they, if they are going to make bigger iPad Pros, I think they will start from the 15 or 16 inch form factor. I think that's the obvious starting point. And then they can go from there. And I, I guess lo- even longer term, like thinking beyond the five-year timeline that we are discussing here, there's a question about convergence, right, between macOS and iPadOS. Um, I think Apple has been pretty adamant in, in saying we believe in the Mac, in the future of the Mac. And I mean, you know, they have the, the, the facts to, to back up those statements in 2020 with the M1 chips. I mean, nobody is doubting the future of the Mac at this point anymore. But I have to wonder, you know, 20, let's imagine 2025, right? Um, at what point can the, you know, at, the, at what point can the iPad provide you with the same functionalities of, of an iMac or 
can the iMac become an iPad first? Um, maybe that's not a problem at all. Maybe Apple does want to keep the lines separate, you know, within five years, within 10 years. But it's still a question, right? Uh, of if you're going to make iPads that are that big, 30 inches. And if you just, if you have a, like imagine a 30 inch iPad and you can buy a stand and you can buy a keyboard and you can buy a trackpad. At that point, is that an iPad or is that an iMac that you can hold in your hands? Um, so th- that's an interesting po- idea to, to consider, right? Uh, but also, do you really want to, you know, lug around a 30-inch tablet? I don't think so. So it makes more sense as a stationary device. But if it's a stationary device, then you still have that idea of convergence of, are we making the same computer twice? <laughs> Basically, this is what I'm wondering. Are we making the iMac, like, again, thinking 2025, 2027, are we making the same computer that just runs two separate OSs? I don't know. Uh, but I think the fundamental truth here is that I don't think people are going to fundamentally change. Like, I don't think we as humans are going to turn into cyborgs within the next five years or seven years. So we're still going to be humans that like to sit around every few hours to get work done and that we have two hands. I don't think that is changing and that we have 10 fingers. So that is, assuming that that stays the same within, you know, our lifetime, um, I think we can assume then that there's still going to be some folks who prefer to type with an external keyboard and who prefer to, to look straight ahead at an external monitor and there's going to be folks who like to use all their fingers to use a tablet. I don't think that is changing. I don't think Apple is going to stop making tablets. I think we're pretty much set on the idea that we're going to have laptops and tablets coexist with each other. Now, what's the market for bigger computers? That, that to me, is the, is the single most important question. What's the market for... Does Apple believe in the need to offer bigger computers? They make an iMac, so I guess they do believe in the idea. So I don't think it's entirely impossible to imagine a a 25, 20-inch iPad as well. In all of this, we also need to consider something else on the horizon, which is AR. And I know that we haven't really discussed AR in in the context of productivity-related use cases, but what I'm thinking about is another potential timeline where five five years from now, like this entire conversation that we just have that we just had for the past 50 minutes. We just assumed that within the next five years, we're still going to be using screens, like physical displays, to look at information provided by the computer. However, we also need to consider a second scenario, where by 2025, the idea of the screen will be obsolete, especially in a stationary context. And rather than having to actually own a a physical display and put it somewhere, the display will be in front of your eyes with a headset, whether it's a mixed reality headset or actual AR glasses. And so at that point, your surroundings become the screen, not the physical, you know, piece of plastic or piece of aluminum, you know, display itself. So it's also entirely possible that we're still going to have laptops, we're still going to have tablets. However, Bigger displays that you need to place on a desk, on a table, will not necessarily make sense anymore because you can just, you know, wear a headset and you can see high resolution, uh, you know, almost true to life windows and information streams in front of your eyes. And you just, yeah, you can sit somewhere, you can sit on your sofa, you can sit on a chair and you can just look around and do stuff. So... There's also that. I, I think I would also consider that possibility that, you know, five years, seven years, why would you want to buy such a big display that, you know, wasting space in your apartment when all you can do is just wear a headset and look at stuff that actually is even more comfortable because you can even lay down in bed and there's plenty of, of potential issues there. Are we just going to be, you know, humans constantly hooked up to information streams all day long? But that's another problem. What I'm wondering is, within five or seven years, will it make sense to buy, you know, a 30-inch display 
that is heavy and bulky and place it somewhere in your house? Or will it just be more convenient to put on a pair of glasses and look at stuff? So, Whew. I, f- I feel like that conversation <laughs> just went like a, a wild direction of like, things could be very different. Like on one hand, oh, it, this, this looks like a, a potential path forward and oh yeah, this could be really neat. But then it's like, oh, but everything might change with <laughs> AR. <laughs> well, if you think about it, it's already possible now, right? You, you buy an Oculus Quest, for example. There's plenty of, there's one made by Google. I don't remember the name, an app. Uh, like a, a VR experience for drawing and sketching in virtual reality. But it, it software like beyond gaming, this is already happening now. And obviously, it's a it's a much taller order for to do this in AR in a way that in a way that it doesn't make you sick, in a way that is actually efficient, um, in a way that you know you you don't look like a robot. Basically, uh, there's plenty of problems still to be solved. But I think if we are to take Apple's statements, many, many statements of AR as the next big thing at face value, literally face value, uh, I think they must be thinking around these lines, right? Like just go beyond the usual things that we are now seeing with AR. Like, oh, great, you're walking around. Here's walking directions in front of you. Great, that's awesome. Or are you at the supermarket? Well, now you can scan your cereals and you're going to see information boxes pop up on your phone because of AR. Fantastic. Okay. But what's beyond, what lies beyond that? And I think when you think about it, uh, the evolution of, of we as a species really, over, and especially after the Industrial Revolution, um, just we as a, as a society we have moved away from bulky objects and appliances as much as possible we as humans we we are trending we are always trending toward making the things we use as small and compact as unobtru- and unobtrusive as possible and thinking you know 20 30 50 years ahead I think there's plenty of folks who are thinking about this stuff right now because of a bunch of different issues. Like um, Earth is likely going to be overpopulated at some point and our living space is going to diminish. Therefore, it'll be, it'll be much more difficult to say, well, I'm going to buy this huge computer and put it on my desk because you, won't, you will not have the space for a computer. And you know, you can see that the first inklings of, of this idea in, in video games as well, right? Why do you think companies are, are so focused on making game streaming work? Because they are imagining a future where you don't want to buy a console, but also you can't buy a console or a PC because you just don't have the space for it. So I think we are increasingly moving toward uh, a, a society where software doesn't necessarily have to live and to be experienced within a screen so this is obviously a much much longer term timeline than the next five years i think within the next five years it totally makes sense to have a 15 or 16 inch ipad pro i think they i think they will do it i think they should do it but you know 10 years 15 years and I'm being very conservative. Apple, for all we know, they may be a lot more aggressive than this timeline. I think that they they must be thinking about AR in the context of not individual, you know, uh, sort of like a la carte experiences, like this uh, sort of a you know individual utilities, but as more of a cohesive system. And when you think about that, you're making effectively an operating system. Therefore, there's the potential to move away from the idea of let me buy the computer and the computer is this object that contains windows and apps. No, the computer is always available because it's always in front of your eyes. There's a lot to think about there. <laughs> I, well, I think about these things. Yeah. <laughs> so It's like I, I was starting to think, okay, further out, um, Oh, well, maybe, you know, you've got really good foldable display technology. And so right, you, sure. could have, you could have this one device 
that is very good point right it's it's your phone it's your tablet you can connect it to a desktop and other things it's a laptop you know and and that makes a lot of sense and and maybe for a while it would be yeah you have that one device and ar and the two complement each other right but but yeah longer term who knows that's uh the future Mm. future what what will it bring (laughs) yeah foldable display is also a very good point that i forgot to mention totally I think that that's another thing that makes sense. Once again, in the context of we like to have comfort and and you know big large windows. We like we don't like to to feel cramped when we are using a computer. However, again, once again, we as a species dislike bulky objects that we need to manage. And so a foldable display, uh, you know, that you can fold and roll or whatever, I think it totally makes sense. It can be a large display, but you, it can also be a very small display because you can fold it. So, yeah, that's also a very good point that maybe, you know, we're seeing the, we're starting to see now the first examples of foldable tablets. They're not very good. They're actually kind of crappy, but they are going to be technically possible, I think, within the next five years. So that could also be something that will enable bigger iPads without the concerns that we now have in 2020 right now about big tablets. So yeah, that's a, a very astute point, I think. Well, I don't know what else we can really say about the future of the iPad because basically the future that was just envisioned is a future without the iPad, <laughs> right? A, a future where AR takes over and the the computers that we have been used to, at least for a little while now, um, won't necessarily be what they are today. So, mm-hmm. whew, man, what a yeah. what a way to what a way to end a show. <laughs> what a way right? to end With a, not just an episode, but uh, but to end adapt. Wow. Yeah, I think it's uh, we we uh, we we wanted to provide one final episode that would give you you know our listeners who have been following us so far plenty of material to think about or the future of, of iPad and tablets in general, and the future of computers, of portable computers, I guess. And uh, yeah, the, a lot of, uh, these are some of the things that I think about on a, on a daily basis, basically, in the context of, you know, there's the, I always try to think hard about, like, the now, like, w- w- what can we do now with computers? But also, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what could be the device or the trend or the new technology that comes in and completely disrupts the things I'm used to work on, the things I, I know and the things I use. And I think it's a very important exercise to keep in mind so that you can be prepared and so that you can get a sense of where things are trending and where things are going. Well, I think that our listeners in particular will be really well equipped to adapt to whatever that new future is. It's like <laughs> right. using using the iPad as your main computer is something that uh, it, it takes some adapting. It It's different from, you know, the historical use of com- personal computers. And so it, if that's something that you have been able to do and gotten used to, like you're in a really good place to to kind of see, okay, what's the next way that computing is going to change and, and to be ready for it. And it is easy to kind of, for us to get stuck in our ways and, uh, you know, things are supposed to work this way because that's how we're used to them working. But so much of the the promise and the excitement around technology is the way that things change, like fundamentally change, not, not just, oh, iterating on things. Like that's great too. And Apple's really great at iterating on products. But also, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of potential and a lot of excitement around just everything being transformed. Uh, the mm-hmm. way that we use computers being transformed, the ways that we use technology being transformed, and um, so yeah, I I think that's a a great way to end things. And yeah. uh, I think that you know our our listeners will be ready for whatever that future may be. Um, but uh, before we wrap up, just want to say again, thank you all for. Uh, coming with us on this journey of adapt and and you know listening in and sending in questions and giving us feedback uh, all along the way as we have just shared our our own stories of using the iPad as our main computers of of trying new things 
giving each other challenges and all that. Um, it's been a really fun ride, and um, it's sad that we're ending now. But um, as as this episode is evidence of, like Federico and I are both very excited about what the future yeah. not only of the iPad will bring, but also just uh, technology in general. Um, it's it's a fun thing to think about for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, this has been episode 41 of Adapt. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, Hover. Uh, you can find show notes for today at relay.fm slash adapt slash 41. And if you'd like to follow us online, uh, Federico is on Twitter and Instagram as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And he's the editor-in-chief at MacStories.net. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at IRYANTLDR. That's I-R-Y-A-N-T-L-D-R. Well, there's no next time, Federico, but mm-hmm. um, thank you for doing the show with me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I guess it's uh, it's time to say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye. <laughs>